Hello guys and welcome back to another episode of Rikindi. Today we're joined by two beautiful monks, Venchai and Monk Tun. Thank you so much for joining us today and welcome. Um, hello Alicia and hello everyone. I'm Venchai. I'm Monk Tun. Beautiful. So Mang Tan Venchai, do you want to tell us a little bit about your journey um, into becoming a monk? What led you to become a monk? Where are you from? Uh, tell us a little bit more about yourselves. For me, um, Venchai, I has been a monk for 28 years. I was born in Bangkok, Thailand. Have you ever been to Bangkok? I have been to Bangkok. There is a lot of people. <laughs> Very busy town, lots going on. I'm a teaching monk of Asia Buddhism Central Division, Education Institute, Dhammakaya Temple, and a teaching monk of meditation in English at Brisbane Meditation Center, Australia. My education background, the first bachelor degree science with major mathematics, Dhamma Scholar Advanced Level. A bachelor's degree in Buddhist study from DOU, Asusa in California, and master degrees in Buddhist study from Dhammachai Institute. History of merit making work in the past. I used to be the president of the Buddhist club in my university, but too long, long time ago, in 1990. Maybe uh, Monk Tan didn't born. Uh, that that's the year I was born. Oh, nineteen ninety. Okay. Uh, and what led you to become a monk? Um, for me, in they got a, like a Thai culture with a Buddhism. When they 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 always say about when you are twenty, you should ordain for your parents, so they can earn the merit from you. So they can go to like heaven. That's what they say. So I decide to 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 do it. So that's why I ordained on my twenty birthday. Wow. So you've been a monk for how many years now? Eleven years now. Eleven years. And Venture, you've been a monk for uh, twenty eight years. Twenty eight years. Wow. Wow. And what has your journey been like to becoming a monk? Mm. Okay, you first. Uh, uh, like I said, on twenty, so I try to to ordain to like fulfill their their wish because their parents they always wish about this because when they have a son, the first thing they said, I would let this boy a good kid and have good education, and when he can ordain. I will let he be a monk. Yes. So that's that. That's why. For me, when I studied year one in the university, I attend Buddhist monk training and ordain at the Marble Temple in Bangkok in 1989. Later, two years later, 
I joined ordination program again in monkhood. The first year one, I was a novice, less than 20 years old. In year three, I joined the ordination program, and fortunately, I received a set of monk's robes from Her Royal Highness Princess. Mahajagri Surinthon. Wow, that yeah. must have been such an amazing accomplishment. She is still alive, the daughter of King Rama Nai. Today is King Rama Ten in Thailand. And from that time, after I graduated bachelor degree, I used to work a computer programmer. And in 1994, I have been a monk. Until now, wow! So you moved from being a computer programmer to a monk. Yes. And what made that transition? Were you sitting there and you were like, "Well," I asked myself. Of course, I love computer. That time I used IBM. Between computer and meditation, finally, I choose meditation. And I'm lucky because my family, we have nine brothers and sisters. So, if I um, be a monk, it will be fine because I have three more older brothers to stay in this surname. And as a monk, you're not allowed to talk to your family, are you? You have to isolate. We keep contact, and my mom and my dad very proud of this. In Thailand, is it a very big thing to be a monk? Yes. Lots of people. Yes. An honor to your family. Yes. Well, it's not kind of isolate, mm-hmm. but we just have to separate from them. If we still like we stay at the same place, then why you should ordain? Why you ordain? What you ordain for? Because you ordain for to practice yourself, to be with yourself, to meditate a lot. So if you still live with your parents, then nothing change. Yes. So, but we can keep contact. We can have a made uh made a call that we can text them. That's fine. So talk us through this. So you guys become a monk, you ordain, mm-hmm. and then what happens? You move away from your family into a monastery, and then what happens? Talk us through the starting point of this. Um, for Thai culture, it's very good, very nice. Did you know? I have gone to the main temple, to the temples, because of my mom. My mom took me. To the temple, to practice meditation, to study dharma. After that, my life improved. In every uh, situations, so they feel happy. And how was um, what what happened with you when you left your family, joined the monastery? Um, what was that like for you? And what what exactly happens when you enter the monastery? Okay. Uh, the first, the first thing they try to do is they try to practice us to skip the dinner, because 
the first the people always have like five precepts. That is for the normal people, right? But then if you want to become a monk to ordain, then you practice more for eight precepts. That means uh, the more is you can you have to skip the dinner after about noon, so you cannot have a meal, and then you cannot like. Lying on the bed, the big one, and cannot put a perfume, and uh, have to do the things. So that's they train us for at least one month before we can become the novice. And after that, if you pass this one, then they will let you be a novice first, and then become a monk. Like step by step. Step by step. So, as you join, you cannot eat anything after twelve o'clock during uh, the day. For me, I practice like this. I start from two days a week to dinner, uh, half dinner after lunch until the sunrise again. Two days a week, my birthday. And the Buddhist holiday. Later, at the Buddhist land for three months. After I passed that, I asked myself, "Oh, I could for three months, and longer? Why not?" Yes. Mm. And so, um, I understand that there's various types of Buddhism. Can you tell, talk us through all the different types of Buddhism? Maybe a good overview. And what sort of Buddhism are you guys both um, part of? Today, the world has the biggest three branches, three schools. The first one, a specific uh, word, is a uh, Theravada. Second one, Mahayana, and the third one is. Vajrayana, but it's quite difficult for people to understand or remember. I'm going to talk to tell like this: Theravada from India, okay, to the south of India, to Sri Lanka, Thailand, Myanmar, Cambodia. We are Theravada school. From India to the north, to China. Mahayana school, from China to Korea to Japan. Finally, we have Buddhism in Tibet. We call Vajrayana. Tibet is Dalai Lama, uh, very famous. Uh, he's popular. What's the difference, right, between uh, three schools? For Theravada. We keep Pali words. Pali words. We strongly believe is the language at the Buddha time, to more than two thousand five hundred years ago. Of course, that time they have Sanskrit language, but the Buddha prefer Pali language because Sanskrit language for scholar. He want everyone. People to understand how to meditate. Theravada school keep everything 
same as the Buddha time. It's similar to we have 227 precepts to follow to practice. For example, today we have many cars. Theravada school teaching monks monks cannot drive, even though before they became a monk, they have driver license. On the other hand, for Mahayana school and Vajrayana school, they could. This is the, a bit different. And what do you find the differences between the different types of Buddhism? For the easy one to to talk about is like for Theravada, you can you can eat the meat, but for a different type of Buddhism, they're not allowed to eat the meat. They're just all vegetarian. And what do you think makes the one type of Buddhism want to eat meat? Because I understand you really care about all sentient beings and you want to make sure that everybody is happy and healthy. Why is it that one can eat meat and the others can't? Yes, this is the sensitive question. And um, we know stories. The Buddha want monk's life to take it easy. Monks eat Everything same as people. It's good, isn't it? Let's think about this. If monk has to separate food from people, like only vegetarian, if people have time, okay, they cook separate. One set for themselves, family, parents, one more set for monks. But let's think about today. Every, everything's hurry, rush. Difficult for them to cook two sets, something like this. Of course, some kinds of animals, Theravada school like us, cannot eat. For example, elephants cannot make sense. Horse cannot. Some kind of tigers cannot. Some kind of big snakes cannot. Did you know why? Because that time is a full of forest. And some monks add it, add them. Smell. Smell uh, happen from them. And for example, after they add tigers, another group of tigers smell that and add them back. After that, the Buddha said, from this time, you cannot eat this. My question is, and how about why Chinese monk can e- cannot eat meat or fish? It's from politics. When Buddhism move, spread, expand to many countries, they have to develop, adjust themselves for that country. For example, the lobe, the color of the lobe 
Chinese monk robe different color from us. Why? Because orange or gold at the emperor time. Only emperor can use that color. People cannot use. So Chinese monk change a little bit. The color from orange go to gray, something like this. Next, it depends on the emperor in China. Some emperors respect and help support Buddhism a lot. On the other hand, some emperors disagree and kill. Kill, understand that time. Monks move from the city, from the town to the mountains. Until now, you, everyone can notice Chinese temples, Japanese temple, Korea temples, always on the mountain, because far from emperor's soldiers. What happened when they stay far from the city? On the mountain, they still alive, but far from people who support them, who offer nice food to them. From that time, they have to plan themselves to stay alive. They cannot kill any animals, so it's the best for them to eat vegetables. From that time until now, they are vegetarian. Mm. Automatically, even though they don't know about this history. Wow, that's very interesting. I had no idea. And um, as Venchai was talking about wearing um, orange robes, um, if you guys are watching the YouTube video right now, you would see that um, Venchai is wearing. Uh, both of you beautiful monks are wearing um, orange robes. Um, and obviously, there's different various colors of robes. There's orange. There's red. Um, so you guys are wearing the orange robe because that's the most original color. Is that correct? And then, as you were saying, that people change the color of their robes because that was um, deemed as a very uh, imperial color. Um, about the robe color, the Buddha said some kinds. Of uh, color, monks can use. For example, orange mixed with red, with brown, with orange mixed together. Original from fruit of the trees. Of course, robes of monks cannot use black or white. Some, some fruits from the trees. We can, mm. and why is about like fire, or orange or uh, brown, because the Buddha want the color of the robe to look easy, like fire. Because protect monks from animals, mm. 
is the instinct. If animals, animals, afraid fire, if they see the colors rope like fire, they far away. So it's peace for monks. That's the reason. Interesting. And there is there a specific length of a robe that you need to wear, or are you? Because um, I understand some uh, sections of Buddhism they have a specific. Um, they need it to be a specific length or, or anything. Do you just wear any any length of robe? Or? At the Buddha time, the Buddha walked with his secretary monk. His name is Ananda. Ananda was born in a royal family too. On the top of the mountain, the Buddha asked Ananda Bhikkhu, look at the fields. On the farm, did you remember? Ananda said, "Of course, I remember." Please set the rope, copy from that fields. So, uh, because of the rope at the Buddha Tham, that Tham they not like a piece of rope that we have like nowadays. That Tham they will take it from the crops, from someone who passed away. And that time they use the the cross to wrap them up and put them far away, like in the forest. So that time the monk take all that cross from them and try to stitch it up to be a rope. And that time is quite difficult to find the rope, like a piece of rope. It's it's not like nowadays. Nowadays we can we can have it like really cheap, right? Yes. Interesting. Yes. Um, that time, clothes very expensive. So it's good to make rope from uh, clothes small piece. Monks help together. And two kinds of love from for them. First, same as uh, monk Tan uh, tell us. Another way, lay people uh, offer to the teaching monks to the monks. Today, clothes not expensive, and we can have new robe from the factory. Yeah, and I understand that. So, th- for those of you who are listening who um, don't really know much about how Buddhism started, um, correct me if I'm wrong. So, there was this prince once upon a time who was obviously living in this uh, lavish castle, and he felt that um, he was just not happy. And so, he, one day he walked outside of the um, the walls, and um, he saw all of this poverty and all of these people who were really um, hard done by, and he was really sad. Um, and so he decided to renounce his um, princehood, <laughs> um, and um, he sat underneath a tree, and um, he sat underneath for ages, and he he was just um, essentially meditating. And he found that the more that he cleared his mind, um, eventually he was just so happy because he had none of these worries or concerns or anything, um, and he had found this beautiful state of presence. And so from that. 
space, he then got up and then started walking around and, and helping others. Um, is that how would you guys talk about the origins of Buddhism? Yes, uh, a little bit more details. When uh, the prince Siddhartha uh, was born, his father, the king, at that time, asked some famous priests to talk about Prince Siddhartha. Most of them showed two fingers. The meaning is, if he grow up and be the next king, he is going to cover many countries, every country, like uh, Siddhartha the Great. Second choice, if he ordain, he is going to be the Buddha, of course, for his father. He need Prince Siddhartha to be the next king. So he set everything luxury. For example, all men cannot stay. He never see, he only see good things. Until that day, you, you, told, you, you told us. From that time, he find enlightenment. He find how to stop rebirth. I'm going to talk about meditation. Because, of course, around the world today, they love, they like to practice meditation. But some group, they disagree. They think meditation for what? But honestly, remember that night, that day, Siddhartha or the Prince Siddhartha, that night he, he, he uh, enlightenment, he meditated 12 hours from 6 p.m. 6 p.m. until the sunrise, 6 a.m. After that, uh, at that time, he enlightenment from meditation. Yes, as, as, he, as he told us about the Buddha time, his father set up everything for him. He got three cases, one for winter, one for summer, and one for, how do you call it? Rainy season. Rainy season. So he got to move it every season. So, and all of the servants are like the young young one. His father not allow the the elderly to be around in his castle. And and that day when he come out, he sit by himself and he. Okay, decide to be something. He he try to find something, right? Yes. This is good topic. Before he enlightenment, he used to meditate in uh, another techniques before, and he used to. What what is it called? Specific uh, name. Terrible his body himself, like. Uh, add only one seed of rice in a day. Unbelievable, right? Next, 
he didn't breathe, breathe in and breathe out as long as human can. What happened? The wind, the wind, flow cannot from the north, so it flow past the ears. Very painful. He did many things like this. Sat among the h uh, the sunshine, too hot or oh, terrible, for six years. Finally, he found that because he he was very strong, he found that human in the past, present, and in the future, no one can do can did terrible things more than him. And he didn't enlightenment, so he was wise. He was intelligent. So he knew suddenly that the wrong way. Mm-hmm. From that time, he start to add food, rice again for us. Now we know not too serious and not too what is it called? Like drink a lot, travel, uh, pray a lot, sleep a lot. Five balanced. Mm. So he um, he meditated underneath a tree for six years and was a Bodhi tree. No, six years. Uh, to suffering, suffering okay. five many ways in the wrong way for mm. six years. Later, after six years, he start. To find balance way. So he realizes after six years that the only struggle he's really facing is that in his own head, and through meditation he can overcome his own thoughts, and to see what everything is. One thing he remind about meditation because that time he was seven years old. His father, the king, had an extra ceremony. About plants, rice. It that ceremony still happen in Thailand until now, one once a year. The king and now is the uh, Thai government did that do that. That time the king, his father, plants show themselves by the by by himself. His sitata uh, secretary. Uh, everyone look at that ceremony. So he sat alone, seven years old. He meditated a lot in the past life, previous life. That time, he had peace time himself. So he meditated, and he achieved not enlightenment, but he he achieved. He level up inner experience. What happened? Few hours later, his king came back, but the tree, the shade of the tree, still cover. Sita Da Prince didn't move. That's the time 
his father bow him after finished six years terrible he asked himself I remember that time I meditate it a lot of happiness peace calm and he did that he meditate and follow that Before this time, I I told you, he used to meditate with another uh, priest before. Uh, in the six years, he tried to find enlightenment. But why later, after he enlightenment to be the Buddha, he said he enlightenment himself. No one touched him. Why? Confused? Yes. Because he used to meditate with Araratha Buddha and Uttokada Buddha in Buddhist scripture. He said himself, "But meditation object focus out of the body. For example, they burn a big fire." 24 hours, big fire, big fire. Meditate, focus at that fire. See that, that please. Pass that level very quick, very easy, until those teachers, those please told him, you know, same as me. But see that, that ask himself, it's good, but not the best. So later, he found himself, and he was the first one. He is the first one in the world to visualize and focus meditation technique at the center of the body, two fingers above belly button. That's the reason why he said he never has. Uh, teachers about meditation in this technique before. Mm. Clear mm. about fire. Aradata board, Utokada board, focus fire outside the body. For the Buddha technique, we can we can imagine meditation object to be a fire, but Visualize, imagine the fire at the center of the body, not outside. Mm. And what happens once you reach a state of enlightenment? So, let's say you've been meditating for a very long time, and all of a sudden you feel something. What What is that? I like this question. Three benefits comes at the same time when you practice meditation. When you achieve or level up, there are knowledge, pure mind, and happiness comes together. A little bit more is the same word happiness, but the deep different. We have a new car, for example. We have a new car. We feel happy. New house, oh, happy, but absolutely. Different 
feeling from happiness when you achieve meditation knowledge and pure mind three things comes together okay. so how are they different so I get a new house I'm super excited um, how is that different from meditation what feeling do I get yeah. you are going to know by yourself when you achieve happiness from meditation you are going to know yourself definitely different for example the master nun she said she meditated 12 hours a day two session each session six hours she did like that more than 10 years not only one day <laughs> at the World War II. She did like that. She said, between the real goal, higher than his, her body. For example, if he, he tall, if, he, if she tall 160 centimeters, real goal equal that. And happiness from meditation Choose one. Real goal, 160 centimeters high and happiness from meditation. She choose happiness from meditation. Wow. My question is, what do you want to choose? Mm. Real goal or for meditation? And, you know, I, I understand a lot of people would work 12 hours, as many as they can, so they can have enough money to buy a nice house or have a nice money to buy a nice car. Um, and so it's really um, interesting to see a group of people who are dedicating that amount of time to meditation in order to achieve a state of being that is a lot happier. Um, and I can also understand with a nice house or a nice car, maybe that could feel really good for a few months, but afterwards you become used to that feeling and used to the house, used to the car, and it, it no longer makes you feel as excited as it once did. And so people usually then buy more stuff and more stuff. Whereas I think what you guys are talking about is by working on the state of meditation, the state of happiness or being for 12 hours, eventually um, it's not something that can go away. Am I correct? It's something that you guys feel um, a lot more. So it's not like a new car that after a few months you bought of it and you want a new car. No, this is rather you're working for something that maintains your happiness. So um, it's like the word is ehipasiko. It means come and see. And you can do it by yourself. Because of the happiness, it's like you said, you just get bored of something, then you buy a new one, buy a new one. But it's different from that. Because of meditation, you got a happiness all the time. Every time you have your cost wreck, or you mm. sit on the chair and you meditate, then you are happy. Then you have the happiness feeling. Wow. You don't have to buy it. You don't have to spend your money. Mm. Yes, you and just use. How does it feel like living with nothing? I mean, you guys have no car, no clothes, really, um, no house. Uh, you don't own anything, do you? The grandmaster teach us. We use technology 
to expand to spread meditation have them have technology technologies for use not for show for example some monks they have smartphone to to do good things not for show this is new version new like that and so i noticed both of you and probably all monks don't have any hair uh, why is it that you shave all of your hair off ah that's a good question Uh, the first thing is it's easy for you to look after yourself to take care of yourself. Like for you, if you like to wash your hair, then you got to dye your hair, right? To make it dry, and then it use a lot of time of your life in one day because everyone got twenty four hours. You have to take your time to spend with your life. Then. The Lord Buddha said, "Okay, we should shave the hair to get less concerned about that." Mm. And uh, don't worry about fashion. Yes, because if we got a hair, so we have got to do a hair haircut, and then we do. Oh, this style one is new coming for this year, for this summer, for this season. Then we keep doing it. But for us, you just shave it. Then you, you don't even have any clothes for new seasons, no hair for new season. It's it's a hundred percent who you are. You wake up, get ready, and and you dedicate the most amount of time to meditation. Is that the goal? It's it, uh, it's like Steve Jobs. They he always wear the same clothes, like a uh, Mark Zuckerberg. He always wear the same because he don't want to choose or what kind of clothes they for him, right? That is the same thing. The main goal, mm. even though they are very rich, mm. yes, mm. but same clothes, same style. Mm. They say apparently you have a a certain amount of uh, decisions to make every day, and if you are focusing on what clothes to wear, that limits your capability of making other decisions. Mm-hmm. And so, if you wear the same thing, then you have more time uh, to think about more important decisions than something as materialistic as. So yes. how how do you guys feel coming from Thailand, where I'm sure there's quite a lot of monks, to Australia, where there's um, much less and there's a much more uh, greater emphasis on consumption? People love clothing, people love hairstyles. Um, how are you guys finding being here? Well, um, I would like to tell a story about something about the the uh, shoes, the company of the shoes. He sent the the one man, the first one, to go to Africa. And when he when he took off the pen, he said, "Why the company sent me to the land of no shoes? They're not wearing the shoes." But and then he decided to go back and complained about the company. But the second one, when he come, when he arrived in Africa, he said. This is an opportunity for me, so that's why he go to into to learn about their culture. Like, oh, they like a colorful. They love that, so that's why he send the feedback back to their company, and then they can sell a lot of shoes. 
it it's like we see opportunity in here because in Thailand we have a lot of a lot of monastery right so and a lot of a lot of monks that mean a lot of how to teach people so but in in Australia so we got like not a lot of choice but we can provide you a meditation in my opinion we want every human to know how to meditate not only asia people but everyone chair guide them the idea in the wrong way sorry in the right way to practice what will happen next everyone they have energy good energy so what happen if many people practice meditation together good energy is going to change the world like sharing is great that the reason why we are here that's beautiful <laughs> And if the whole world, if we more and more people start to meditate, what changes do you think will happen? Weather. Everything start from human spread. Weather is nice, nice weather for people. No tsunami. No hurricane. No, not too cold. Not too hot. Not too much flood. Don't believe me, and please don't disbelieve me. But help to prove together, not only with colleagues, environment, parents, families, everything are going to be better and better. For example, when I was child in Bangkok, I was born in Bangkok. We My dad's car. We no need to lock the car. It peaceful. It's good. If today we can do like that, don't want to lock our house, our accommodation. Feel free. Everything safe. From human mind, from meditation. Why? Because we are relative, the Buddha proved in this way we are relative. So it's good to help each other. We are friends. We are not enemy. Mm. And I think that's quite important. With um, there's a lot of political hostility between you know China and the United States, um, and Russia. Um, and and so many people at the moment in Ukraine and Abidjan and Armenia and so on are dying every day from killing each other. Um, and it's it's I can't even comprehend the pain that they must be feeling and the suffering they must be feeling. Um, and I understand that if everybody had to start to look at the world through the eyes of compassion and love through greed rather than greed and um, the desire for power, we could live in a much more prosperous um, and united world. Which would be amazing to see. Amazing. Mm. Mm-hmm. Okay. 
I, I agree. And um, so we're talking about all the benefits of meditation. Talk us through some of the steps um, for people who are now listening to this and they're like, wow, I want to change the world and, and the best way I can possibly change the world um, is to work on myself and through that meditation is a beautiful key to help train the mind. How can um, those listeners, want, uh, what, what sort of techniques can they? Okay, thank you. Um, at least two kinds of technique to meditate. If some teachers guide you to think a lot is the wrong way. Honestly, stop that technique far from them. Another technique teach us, guide us to stop thinking is the right way. Of course, in this topic, in this way, stop thinking. The world has many techniques. You could choose and try which one it suits you. I'm going to tell you about the techniques to stop thinking. Some techniques it like shortcut and powerful. Some techniques it take time, but it's all right, right? In our technique, we are going to start from Close our eyes gently because we don't use the eyes, so we close the eyes. But not too tense. Cannot squeeze our eyes shut. Next, relax our body. Start from the head down to the tip of our fingers, down to the tip of our toes. Relax. And during you practice, if you feel a little bit pain, please move. Because some techniques, meditators cannot move. Patient. Patient for what? We, we want the mind to balance, not about patient. Next. This is good technique. I like. Think a little bit, not too much. Think a little bit about some good things you have done or did in the past. And you like that. You feel happy, peace. For example, you help people. You donate something for me. I always think about the time I meditate with the grandmaster. In Chiang Mai, on the mountain, in Chiang Mai province, for two years, I meditate like retreat, six hours to eight hours a day for two years. Cannot use smartphone that time. No smartphone, far from people, far from everything, only monks group. When I think a little bit about that, I feel automatically smile, peaceful. After that, feel like you are alone in the world. Or if you don't afraid or scared about death, you can think about we are passed away already. 
nothing to do, not anymore. But I notice people scare uh, to to think about death, so they can use the technique stay alone in the world, stay in that feeling as long as they can. You see, it's easy. Next, if they have some thoughts, always it's normal. Two techniques to help you. The first one, repeat the mantra. We use Pali words, Sama Arahang. The meaning is absolute purity. It's good meaning. Again, Sama Arahang. But for local people, as you, you can use English word. Clear and bright. Or do you want one more? Or okay, um, love and happiness. Mm. Choose one. At that time, repeat it. Not from your mouth. Some techniques meditators repeat the mantra together, like louder from the mouth. But in this technique, no. Not from your mouth and not from your brain, but from the center of your body, two fingers above your belly button, or at the end of your in breath. You at is the same point. Why we have some mantra? Because in this technique, the mantra is not the most important. The mantra only help us. To stop thinking. When we level up, the mantra is going to fade away itself. If you stay in that level, you no need to repeat the mantra anymore. Level up and go ahead. Repeat the mantra softly, gently from the center. Okay, mm-hmm. and. If you want to, you can imagine a meditation object. Not many objects you could focus or imagine, but not every. We call a meditation object. For example, the sun, the full moon, a crystal ball, an orange, or an egg. You see many. Same idea. Imagine it at the center of your body. Visualize at it, but cannot push, and not cannot too much focus. Because it's the nature of human mind. We can only support the mind. So it's good for you to visualize at it softly, mm. nicely. And continuously, sometimes it will fade away or disappear. It's all right. Imagine it again and again. Meditators can do this: repeat the mantra and visualize a meditation object at the same time. Or sometimes they don't want to. 
repeat the mantra. They could only visualize a meditation object, and sometimes they don't want to do anything. You, they don't want to repeat the mantra. They don't want to visualize or imagine any meditation object. They could, you see, easy. Let it be. From my experience, I find that meditators always see a meditation object in front of their eyes, not at the center of their body. Why? Because they always use physical eyes. So when they close their eyes, it's easy for them to imagine or feel something in front of their eyes. If it happens like this, my suggestion is: it's good. Let it be. Keep looking at it softly. Don't complain yourself. Why it stay here? Why it doesn't is Doesn't stay at the center. Keep looking at it until or when that time you feel more relaxed, more comfortable. That time you are going to have a little smile on your face, on your face, yourself. If you feel like that. Click, like it. Click, and move it from anywhere, from in front of your eyes to the center of your body. It will come. But if you try to move it, and your mind not ready, you are not. Uh, relaxed enough, not comfortable enough, and you try, but you try. Let's see. You 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 can do. It cannot. But if you feel peace, calm, it will come. Finally, bring your mind back to the center of your body. We strongly believe that point is the home of the mind. A lot of positive energy stay at that point. It like the door or the gate. Meditation is the key. When we practice meditation, we are going to open the door or the gate. When our mind balance, the door open. A lot of good energy automatically comes to our minds. After that, our life are going to be better. For example, healthy, wealthy, good, and wise comes together. It depends on what level 
the meditators achieve. Mm. I know there's some um, monks out there who say that when they've come to a really deep state of meditation, um, eventually they can leave their body or something. Have you um, ever experienced that or know anybody who has experienced that? Or I, I cannot tell too much about my inner experience myself. It's the one of the Buddhist monk precept. The Buddha said one precept. Uh, monks cannot tell their inner experience to people. Why? Okay, I'm going to tell you. Of course, if that people have deep, deeper than inner experience, deeper than the teaching monk, they will know. For example, if that teaching monk stay in year three and you are in a experience year four, you know year three because you passed already. And why the Buddha didn't want monk to tell their inner experience to people? They can tell two teaching monks together, like study, practice together, but for people cannot. Because first, the Buddha don't, uh, didn't want monks to show themselves. Second, he cared for a new monk because he, he knew lay people would like to support for the monks who have deep inner experience, like good energy, a lot of good energy turn back, comes to them. How about new monks? Like, they are practicing. So, the Buddha prefer a group of monks, not only monks. That's the reason. And so you can actually, uh, and, um, could you say that there's more than, um, there's definitely more to experience than what most people um, experience during their waking state? So most people wake up, have all of these um, normal interactions, um, and then go to sleep. Whereas um, you're quote unquote saying there, there may or may not be something more than that you can um, experience when you meditate for a very long period of time. But you cannot explain what because that you're not allowed. Um, meditators can check uh, themselves. For example, if they are on the right track, they are going to like that feeling, and they are going to feel times past very fast. It always happened in my class. 50 minutes pass when that session finished. I asked them, 50 minutes, congratulations. They said, oh, I failed 5 minutes. I failed 10 minutes. If meditators feel like this, they are on the right balance. Keep going on the right way. And if they have another experiences, ask the teaching monk. They are going to guide you 
what's the next step? And do you think um, one day you will never, you could reincarnate so you would never die? That, that the, uh, oh. our goal. Your goal is to, to, to die or to... To nirvana. Nirvana, yeah. stop rebirth. Yep. Uh, stop, uh, not reincarnation mm. anymore. So everybody um, normally reincarnates um, to anything or only human. Human and animals. And animals. It, it depends. Yeah. Not plants. No. Yeah. And that's the reason why um, Buddhists, we, we love animals, even though we eat them. Oh, <laughs> it's the circle of life, you know. Yes, I, a, yes. a, a, an antelope gets eaten by a lion. Um, and when a lion dies, its body decomposes into the soil, which grows new life. Um, so the circle continues. You know, as long as they're not harmed really badly or, I mean, I say they die, but <laughs> um, but I understand um, the circle and I, I, I gauge that, you know, it's really good to be compassionate to all living creatures. Um, but so once you've meditated for a very long period of time, you've reached the state of enlightenment, you no longer rebirth, what happens? You reach this nirvana. What is nirvana? Freedom. Oneness. Uh, um, the Buddha said, Nirvana is the most happiness. Stop rebirth. Can uh, don't reborn again. Yes, still stay there for a long time. Mm. Far stop from any suffering. That's monk goal. And they practice themselves to achieve that level and guide people how to level up, how to practice. Of course, business and meditation comes together for people. Yeah, I, I know in, um, with the uh, Tibetan monks, um, it was quite difficult when you know there was obviously an invasion and a lot of those people got sent to prison. Um, and a lot of the monks I, I heard about were tortured and stuff. And um, when they were in these um, really horrible situations, um, you know, they were saying the hardest thing was to forgive and love the people who were torturing them. But through that practice of total forgiveness, they are lo they are training themselves to detach from suffering. So no matter how much physical suffering they may experience, they are um, letting that go. Um, and trying to detach from it so that they can reach a space of non-suffering. Is that? We have one case study in Buddhist scripture. That time, many forests, one tiger, it was eating a monk, and his friends, his monk's friends, didn't know how to help him. That tiger was eating, eating. That monk, he knew himself. He's going to pass away very soon. So he stopped everything. Stop thinking, stop. Nothing to do, not anymore. And visualize himself at the center of his body. And he 
enlightenment the buddha guarantee and told us like this about the step of inner experience that monk who was uh, who had eaten about mm. same as the uh, tibetan monk you uh, show the example mm. um and uh that's i mean that's very it's such a deep topic and it's um it really does inspire you to incorporate meditation. You know, I know a lot of um, people within the West are waking up to the power of meditation. And I think particularly because a lot of the Tibetan monks um, were forced to leave Tibet. And so coming into the West, they spread Buddhism. Um, you know, and a lot of the uh, people from Thailand now are coming in and spreading the concepts of Buddhism and what it means to detach from all material things um, and start practicing regular meditation to not only control the mind, but um, realize, you know, you're more than just this mind and more than just these thoughts that you um, feed off of every day. Um, and I know that a lot of the time you have these ongoing thoughts that you don't realize is sort of like chewing gum where you just keep having the same thoughts over and over and over and over again. And people get stuck in that cycle. And I get that through meditation, you can um, reduce those ongoing thoughts so that there's a state of calm and you can experience a state of presence, you know, really being here and uh, taking in every every moment um, and so on. And I think that the West has a lot to benefit from that, um, particularly because there is so much consumption uh, where fashion and hair and so on is, is so um, emphasised. Uh, a lot of loud, intense music, everything's just go, 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 go. And uh, if you, the more money you make, the better you become. Um, and so it's really refreshing learning these techniques from you guys on how to incorporate that and, and have such a different way of being that can be so um, influential and so positive to not just yourselves but to everyone. I mean, once again, most of the Western society is all about me, 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 <laughs> whereas you guys are more about uh, we. What are we doing collectively? Um, how can we improve um, and when asking, well, what what's your outcome of meditation? Well, if everyone can meditate, then we could have a beautiful way of life and be safe and happy. And um, I really like that and really admire that. You know uh, a lot about uh, the right way of life. <laughs> Thank you. And uh, mm. for those listening, actually, this isn't the first time I've met Venchai. Um Ages ago, I used to do regular meditation with him, um, and it was very beautiful uh, to sit in the space of silence and um, continue that practice by myself. is very good, um, and so I really encourage everybody who's listening to take up that meditation, even if it's ten minutes a day, fifteen minutes a day, because ten minutes can turn into a half an hour. That eventually, like <laughs> you guys, can uh, turn into six hours a day, um, and and reach a state that is so. Um, empowering and um, uplifting and that, that's really good okay thank, thank you for your time to in, invite us for today and just the last question um it, i i like to ask everybody if there's one message that you can have to the world what message would that be please come to practice meditation together and we are going to change the world and for people who want to um, reach out to you, um, how's the best way to do that? We have a meditation center at 33 Lodge Road in Kalinga. So we have a class for the foreigner on 
Saturday five o'clock until six half past six. So we got every week, every Saturday. So if you can come to join us, we are all invite. Perfect, and it's free. <laughs> Yay! <laughs> Great guys, and um, those that is uh within Brisbane, Australia, um, and they I'm sh- I will link the in the show notes below a lot of online resources uh for you as well. So with all of that, thank you so much for joining us, and see you next time. Bye bye.